Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. What a beautiful day out. I'm actually headed back to Colorado, finished up my Minnesota trip. But we're going to talk a lot about Colorado today. You know, there's it doesn't seem like it because it kind of snuck up on us. Summer started late. We had wet, cool weather all the way through June pretty much. We got a little bit of uh, monsoon rain action. We're getting some warm weather now, but we're already starting to see the nights cool off, especially in the high country. And the water levels, the flows, the availability of water to wildlife is going to affect fishing, hunting, our habitat, our streams. And we're going to talk a lot about the different effects it's going to have uh, during the course of the show today, both on fishing and on hunting. And then we'll talk a little bit about some things going on at state parks. You know, some of the lakes at the Colorado State Parks have as much water as I've ever seen for this time of the year. So we've got a lot to cover. Let's start out by going right to the phones. And joining us from the Blue Quill Angler is Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. And is, have you agree with what I said, that the amount of water we saw this year, now there's some detrimental effects we've had, too, and you and I will talk about that in a minute, but it's really changed everything from last year. I, ha- I haven't seen anything like it. Um, it's been, you know, going back to the good winter we had, the good spring, and like you said, the the rain early in the summer. Um it's a great position to be in compared to the last couple of years. You drive up to any reservoir or river, you drive by different lakes, and you see, like you mentioned, everything is filled to the brim, and it's so good to see compared to the last couple of years. Um, Not- and everything's so beautiful still, so, so green up in mountains. Yeah, it really is. Let's. Uh, there is a little bit, there is a little negative. We're going to talk a lot about the great bites that are going on, but we did get some mudslide action on the plat. Why don't you tell folks what happened there? You bet. And if you guys haven't heard, we had a um, we had heavy rain a few weeks back, and it flooded out uh, Cheeseman Canyon. We had um, some really good dirt slides and mud slides with sediment and that pulverized granite into the river. Um, that was one storm. You know, everybody's been here. They've seen the monsoon rains. And that afternoon, that rain started at 4 o'clock, and they got two and a half inches of rain within an hour. And because we've had so much rain lately, the ground's been so saturated. And so it didn't take much to start flooding out. And um, for those that have heard, uh, Cheeseman did take a hit. You know, um, that river's seen flooding in the past. We've been here. We've seen this before. Um, It's a little sad to see it because it's going to change the dynamics of how Cheeseman Canyon fishes for the fly fishermen. Um, Right now, we're trying to advise people, you know, that you can go in there. You can see fish. We've walked it since the floods. We've seen kind of what happened. Um, but we're trying to rest it as much as we can. That fishery's just been through so much, and those fish have been through a culture shock. Um, listen, I'm sure if you're fishing, you can go up there and probably find a few fish, no problem. But we're just trying to rest and try to do our best for that particular resource right now. Well, and that flooded area was a result of what, what happened years ago, the, the burn scar from the Hayman fire, I believe. Is that right? That's exactly right. You look at where some of the major slides happened in Cheeseman, and if you look up the hill, you could see the fire scars 20 years ago that 
are still coming down the canyon. It's a, we're still dealing with it, you know? Um, and as sad as it is, you know, it's, it's a very resilient river. It's going to bounce back. Um, but there's going to be runs that are going to be changed pretty much forever. A lot of the filling, um, and what happens on these floods and this, um, the slides is you get a lot of sediment in the river that covers the cobble on the bottom of the river that smothers the bugs that the fish eat. And so some of the effects, you know, might be some months before we see the exact results of what happened. Um, but yeah, what I said, we've been here before. We've seen this. It's, uh, yeah, just a sad event when you see it happen that fast. Hopefully we'll get to see enough water flow through. We can scour some of that out of there and it'll recover pretty quickly, but let's switch gears. There is a lot positive going on. Boy, a lot of active fishing areas. Let's talk. What are you seeing out there? Oh man, this is like, this is such a good time to be out there. Um, all over the place. Uh, the local waters are fishing good. Most every river shed, you know, the Arkansas is fishing really, really good. The Colorado river's fishing really good. Um, a lot of um, a lot of our big bugs are out. This is we call August. This is the heart of our terrestrial season. Um, our grasshopper season and ants and beetles and um, so we're throwing a lot of those bigger dry flies out on the rivers. Um, the caddis hatches we're getting are still really really strong on most rivers and um, it's just a great time to be out there. The flows are really strong. The water's cold in most rivers and. Um, yeah, well, you have pretty much a lot of options available to you, whether you're conventional or a fly angler right now. Well, you talked about flows. Last year at this time, we were so concerned about many, many of the rivers in Colorado and the stress on the fish. Now, there's always going to be a spot or two where it might get a little warm, but for the most part, statewide, the fish are healthy, they're happy, the water's cool, it's already starting to cool off at night, we still have good flows. There's very few areas that uh, aren't available and, and aren't good to fish, and, uh, you know, you can go to your favorite river almost. Anything that you're seeing that you might avoid a little bit because of temperature? The, um, the only section I would say just to keep your caution on is the dream stream, um, right below spinny. Um, the dream stream with the lower flows can get pretty hot this time of year. Um, but most other rivers probably shouldn't have to worry about it too much, which is such a great change after the last couple of years. Now you mentioned the Colorado and the Arkansas, which both are well known for their float trips, but they offer walkway to access too. Uh, what are you? How are you approaching those rivers? Are you floating them? Are you walking them? Waiting them? I'm walking and waiting them. Floating is a great option too. Um, I like going in on foot. And um, what's fun about this time of year is a lot of the fish are near the banks. And so you don't need to cast too far in the middle of the river and wade into like a dangerous situation. Um, on the Arkansas, head up near Granite, head all the way up near Leadville on the Hayden Meadow section, which is right below the town of Leadville. The river's much smaller up there, a little easier access for the angler. And, uh, and it's dry fly paradise up there right now. Um, throwing big hopper patterns, big stimulators, big attractor dry flies. Um, and very similar on the Colorado. The further down you make it on the Colorado, it becomes a little harder to walk away just because the access is pretty deep off the banks. But if you go higher up on the Colorado, up near Kremling and even higher up near Partial, those are great walk weight opportunities for anglers. And um, the fishing right now is you're going to see a few mosquitoes on the upper Colorado. But once you get in the river, they kind of leave you alone. And, uh, and you have just 
unbelievably good opportunities right now. You can get away from some of the heavy crowds making that drive up to the Colorado. And um, and for the next few months, it's going to be fishing great up there. It's going to be so many opportunities for us. Yeah, we'll transition kind of out of the hoppers but into the streamer stage for those two rivers especially <coughs> excuse me because of the browns let's talk a little bit about hopper dropper and hopper and dry, dry dropper um or two dry flies you know we talk a lot and kid a lot on the show about how much i love drop hopper dropper fishing because i love the big bugs i love that i don't have to be as precise on my cast because i don't spend as much time on the rivers i used to i'm doing all kinds of different kinds of fishing and you can splash a little bit but and then you can you don't have to be necessarily as selective it can help on the following fly do you you know that that's it you, like you want that fly to plop you know and you want to cover some water and you don't have to worry about being very precise with the presentation and and this time of year throw a dropper that it, it doesn't have to be specific on the dropper they're pretty hungry fish right now which makes it fun um, a lot of times on that dropper, throw a beadhead fly, something that's got a little weight associated in the fly itself. And uh, whether it's a pheasant tail or hare's ear or a copper john, those are all great options for a dropper. And if you tie that about 18 inches, two feet off of the shank of the hook, it's perfect. Um, and, and it's fun because you could cover the top, you cover the bottom, and the hits you get on top right now are just like normal fishing, top water fishing, so much fun. Dry fly fishing for us is what we wait all winter, what I think about all winter doing. And so it's fun that it's here, and now we're just going to try to take advantage why we have a really good water and a really good summer here. Well, and we've got tremendous crop, I guess you could say, of hoppers because we got all this underbrush and growth. The hoppers are everywhere. They're they're healthy, and we've had some wind. You get a little bit of breeze. You know, I'm not one that loves to cast in the wind, but you get a little wind blowing those hoppers into the water, and those trout are on alert. They're looking for it. Do you ever follow it with a second dry instead of a instead of a nymph? Yeah, I do sometimes, and like. You'll get to some rivers where you'll see some caddis near the edges, and caddis look like little, small, little tan moths you'll see near the willows. And a lot of times, if you tie that caddis a couple feet behind that hopper, sometimes the caddis is hard to see, especially in vast water. But if you throw that big hopper first, you can see that hopper easily, and then that caddis dry fly a couple feet behind it, you might not see it as well, but you'll see the rise around your hopper and be able to set the hook. And... It's a great way to do it. Um, a lot of times, Terry, if I do that, I'll see a lot of fish naturally rising on the surface. And if I see that, that's why I'm going to throw two dry flies. And if I get to the river and I'm really not seeing them rise to the surface, that's when I'm going to put the dropper on and probably stick to a hopper at more of a tractor, like falling off the willows. And I love how you mentioned the wind. Because in fly fishing, so many people shy away during those windy days. Well, the wind, you could use it to your advantage because, like you said, it's blowing the natural hoppers in the water. And that's even less you have to worry about having a soft cast. And those fish are looking up and um, don't shy away from the wind. If you see a windy day, if you're there, put a hopper on and have fun. And one one place we didn't even mention that <clears throat> I love to do, I don't live that far from Rocky Mountain National Park. And you get up to some of the the alpine streams, the high country areas. And yeah. it's amazing, it's amazing if you get a hopper or a Chernobyl ant or a beetle 
into these little pocket waters, what will come out of one of those little pockets and eat a fly that's so big you can't think they can get it in its mouth. It's just it's a blast. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Uh, how are you guys how are you guys how are you guys doing for trips at the Blue Quill? Um if somebody wanted to book a trip for you, uh, how how far in advance do they have to get a hold of you? We have great guides on our staff. We can take advantage of someone who wants to go fish in a couple of days. You don't have to call that far in advance. Um, we, we're running some high-quality guide trips right now. We're catching some sweet fish all over the state. Um, now's a great time to do it. And, and like I said, we'll be running our guides heavily all the way through October this year. And we're anticipating such a great fall and the end of the summer here. Um, and so if you're interested... Call us up at the shop, and we'll happy to set you up with a guide, and the guide can teach you how to fish different rivers a little bit better. Or if it's a river you've never fished and you want to learn, a guide is a great resource just to kind of shorten the learning curve up a little bit and uh, kind of learn the nuances of that section of river. Yeah, you know, you're so right that you can learn. You can watch the videos. You can read the books. You can do all that. But if you really want to learn the nuances the quickest way to advance your techniques is to spend some time on the river with a guide, somebody who's going to dedicate their time to you, not just a fishing buddy, but they're going to dedicate the time. They're a professional. They're going to really help you get through it. And speaking of those type of things, you guys, do you have a lot of classes coming up at the Blue Quill? We do. We do. Thank you for asking. We run... We have an intro class, which is perfect for anybody who's really been interested in learning how to fly fish but really hasn't quite taken that jump yet. We run such a great class. It's every single week. You have to call, sign up for the class, but it entails a Thursday night in our shop where you learn how to cast, you learn how to set your rod up, and then on Saturday, the next Saturday, you go all day on the river with your guide. And you learn the nuances of throwing dry flies or dry droppers and nymph rigs. And you learn all those details. And, and for those that, you know, maybe I don't want to go through a two-day class, you don't have to have any experience to go with a guide either. And the guide can teach you right there on the river. Um, it's not as in-depth learning as what you would learn in the class, but it's a good way of saying, okay, is fly fishing something I really want to get into? Is it something I'm really going to love doing? Um, and we provide all the equipment you would need, um, the waders, the, right. the rods, all the flies and everything. All right, my friend, we're out of time. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? Guys, call us here at the shop at 303-674-4700. Could be any question on fly fishing or what flies to use or different public access points. Or look us up online at bluequillangler.com and social media at bluequillangler. And we're always happy to help, and there's no questions at are too small and fly fishing. So call us up. We're always happy to hop on the phone and talk to you. All right, Chris, we got to go. Thank you so much. Good luck on the water. Hey, thank you, too. You have a good, safe travel back here. All right, that's Chris Steinbeck from the Blue Quail Angle. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, a good friend of the show has just had a change in her position, and we're going to talk about that and so much more on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.